Ivan Salazar, I'm from uh, Comixology, I, I do PR and events there. Um, gonna do a little song and dance for what we do at Comixology. If you haven't heard of us, we sell digital comics, we sell a lot of them. Uh, so, real quick, uh, one of our main things, yeah, great, we just exploded. It didn't die, did you? It, I think it did, wow. You got charge it? No. There we go. Just time down. Just time down. Boom. Alright. So, uh, you've heard of Netflix Originals or Amazon Originals. We started doing the same thing with comics, uh, with Comixology Originals. We have a bunch of cool stuff out. If you have a Prime account, you can read it for free. Everything we got. Just search Comixology Originals. If you're looking for any other place to read it, Kindle Unlimited, Comixology Unlimited. And you can also buy it if you want. Again, they're all digital books, uh, with the exception of... Oh, yeah. If you want to know where to buy it on Comixology.com, there's this very simple tag. It's right there. Where? Right there. In case you need to know. Right there. Um, we're having a special promo. Comixology Unlimited is our subscription service. So uh, we have over 20,000 uh, books available to read. Graphic novels, manga, comic books. Um, just for uh, $5.99 a month or 30 days free if you just want to try it out. Uh, and if you sign up here at Comic-Con at our booth, 2121, you get a free physical copy of uh, one of three of our Comicsology Originals titles, two of which were actually written by Richard Sarkin himself, Elephant Men, and Ask for Mercy. So, have some fun stuff. Please stop by our booth, 2121, for signings, giveaways, all that stuff. We also have sales. I won't bore you with the details. We have a sales page on Comicsology.com. These are some of the selections we have for this Comic-Con week. And without further ado, we are here for the Art and Magics of Comics Lettering, a discussion of Comicraft's Richard Starkin. So please, Richard, come to the stage. You. you can give me a round of applause. This is, I do a class at my local comic book store. Uh, it's three parts. Uh, if you want to go to the first slide. Yeah. Oh, no, that's that. us. That's us. I'll be handsome. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to the next one. So uh, it's a three-part <laughs> class called, the first one is called Where is Lettering? The second one is called What is Lettering? The third one is called How is Lettering? But we don't have a slide for that. <laughs> so I don't teach digital lettering. We have a book. Uh, lettering the comic craft way if you want to uh, learn how to do digital comic lettering it's available on Comixology and also at our booth uh, 2106, that's my booth that's Richard's booth so what I do teach is thinking how you think about lettering and you know the reason the class is called where is lettering um, I, I like to encourage the people that work for me at comic craft to think about where lettering is because it really is important that when you letter comics, you understand where lettering is. This is a sign, right? It's a sign of my local coffee shop. Next, next frame. Hey Richard, actually, i got a quick question for you. Yeah. Uh, do you mind telling us some of the things that you've lettered in the past? Because I, I think like you've lettered some amazing things yeah, that people point. really need to know about. Uh, sure. Um, well, the one everybody knows about is Batman the Killing Joke. Oh, just Batman the Killing Joke. <laughs> it, which is the favorite thing I've ever lettered, and it was over 30 years ago. Um, you know, Comic Craft has lettered every X-Men book, every Superman book, you know, from time to time, not still. But uh, Batman Hush, Batman Long Halloween, a lot of Batman books, Superman for All Seasons, Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Grey, uh, Steampunk, Battle Chasers, Danger Girl... Um, I could be a here lot, all day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. So uh, I, you know, I've worked good. for all the major companies. I've worked for indie companies. Uh, I letter my own books. Ask for mercy and Elephant Men. Um, is that enough? Yeah, that's <laughs> plenty. Anybody got any questions? Just in case that? anybody <laughs> wanted to know. So next, next. So, so you know, when you go to the coffee shop, there's lots of signs, right? So this is in the parking lot. Lots of information and a logo. Next. So when you're in the coffee shop, there's signs everywhere. There's, there's a little, if you look just at the top there, there's a thing about tea. It's practically a, a word balloon over on the right. I don't have a laser pointer, do I? Um, the sign on the wall, the bread, how bread is made, is actually a little comic strip. Lots of lettering on the wall. Next one. Uh, restroom, sign above the, uh, above the doorway. The coffee shop I go to is a... Uh, bakery, so they've got signage on the uh, 
the uh, things that they use to put, those are actually, it's more information about bread on, you know, it's like they put in the pizza oven, right? So, or the, the bread oven. So what I like to point out to people is that we walk through comic books all the time. Next to her. This is, uh, uh, I have a soy cappuccino, my wife has a regular cappuccino, and the barista always puts his and hers on the cups. And if that's one of the, you know, the, you're, you're looking at the lettering, it's on the top, it's the, the name of the people that made the lid, it's got a logo on, you have names on your cups. Next, next uh, slide. So, anybody want to volunteer what is common about all those pieces of lettering? It's key to understanding comic book lettering. So just, just that they're all clear to read? Letters? Nope. Where is lettering? That's the name of the class. Where mm -hmm. is it? Everywhere. Everywhere. It's a good answer. Anybody <laughs> else? Yep. Uh, near the top. Near the top is a good answer. Eye level, good answer. Where you want people's eyes to go? Good answer. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> so, but there is one answer I haven't heard. Yep. All capital letters. Not all capital letters. And that's not where lettering is. Where is it? Look at the exit sign over there. Where is it? What kind of plane is it on? Two dimensional. Lettering is two dimensional. 99.9% of the time. So this is a uh, frame from a comic strip by one of my favorite uh, cartoonists. She's called Posey Simmons. You might have read Tamara Drew, Gemma Bovary, uh, her new one's called Cassandra Dark. Um, she had a newspaper strip in the Guardian newspaper in England for many, many years. And I noticed that she loved to draw storefronts. Right? And one of the things that... Uh, we live in the Western world is the way storefronts are is very similar. You know, it's always the sign above, right? The glass on nerve, the natural food store, the granary. There's always a lot of lettering information on windows. And that's key to comic book lettering too, windows. You're gonna to to go to the next and natural food, the granary, and there you've got some balloons here. Now, everything is on a 2D plane. Now, what, what do you notice about the artwork? Is it on a 2D plane? What do we, what do we expect of artwork? Anyone want to raise a hand and volunteer? Got a lot to get through. Go on. The illusion of 3D. Is it three-dimensional? Is the lettering three-dimensional? No, it's two-dimensional. Everything's two-dimensional. But there are two-dimensional planes within every illustration in the comic book that we look at. Where is the lettering whole grain bread? What is it on? Sheet of glass, right? You can just call out if you know the answer. Um, the granary, where is that? On an awning. On an awning. Set number 73, on a sheet of glass. So what we have and what you see here is lettering on two-dimensional planes on sheets of glass. Think of the lettering on, in the balloons as a being on a sheet of glass. Key to understanding planes in terms of comic book lettering in comic books. Next uh, frame. So Posey, you know, I just like to show our artwork. This is a great example of, uh, this is from a children's book. Can anybody guess the name of the children's book? If you know what it is, don't call it out. But can anybody guess what this children's book is called? Raise your hand if you think you know. Cat's There's Baker. What do you say? The Cat's Baker. Cat's Baker. Anybody else? I'll put you out of your misery. It's called Baker Cat. <laughs> right? And how do you know that? There's no information. There's no, there's no um, caption. There's no balloon. But I haven't got it in one, right? And the reason is, we know what a bakery looks like. There's a sign above. We're familiar with this idea. And we're in, a, we're in a street, right? So there's a lot of visual information, but signage plays a big part. Next, uh, more signage. This is a street, shows Theodore, is, a sto is storytelling information on an awning. 
There's a store on the right, let's go to the next one. It, it says Ants and it becomes Buffalo Antiques. There's a for sale sign. There's a lot of information in here on, in signs. And the, and the for sale sign is a two-dimensional plane shown three-dimensionally, right? Next. So, um, one thing that I realize about covers of comic books is that they're store fronts. Right? And I even found one where the Hulk is smashing through a doorway. And what is above the doorway? Sign. The name of the store. So there's a lot of information here, just like a storefront. He's breaking through a three-dimensional plane, but everything that's, a, that's lettering is on two-dimensional planes. Next. So uh, you've got to have Daleks. I love Daleks. <laughs> Who doesn't love Daleks? Anybody watch Doctor Who? You know, I used, to, I used to be alone. So um, this kind of thing as a child drove me insane. And, and it probably meant that I had to become a lettering artist. I loved uh, in the Doctor Who comic strip that the Daleks had their own font. Not a word I throw around. I don't like the word font because it's actually lettering. Because, of course, it's done with a pen. And somebody someday decided that the Daleks spoke like Greek urns. <laughs> right? But you can hear their voice, right? But what drove me crazy is, why can't I see all the Daleks? And the reason is, is that the sheet of glass that lettering lives on, in all comics, is in front of the Daleks, right? So, when I train people to letter, and whether I did it when they were using a pen or a computer, next frame, the sheet of glass is behind objects, whenever possible, not in front of. Go back, you see the difference, right? Now we're more comfortable with the two-dimensional plane. Go back to the, right? So we, we want to see everything. You know, one rule I used to teach people was balloons float up. That's why they're called word balloons, because they float up. And the top, the roof stops them, right? Anybody ever left a uh, helium uh, birthday balloon? Let go. It goes to the ceiling and it stops. So... Thinking of word balloons as helium-filled balloons that go to the top, good idea. They do not sink to the ground when they're full of air, and they do not obstruct three-dimensional objects. Once you put a two-dimensional plane in front of a three-dimensional object, it's obvious that the three-dimensional plane is actually two-dimensional. Let's go to the next. So this is a frame for Batman the Killing Joke. Round of applause. <laughs> All right. So, this is when I was using a pen, 30 years ago, and uh, I was really pleased because this, uh, you know, I always knew all this stuff about balloons float up, keep the two-dimensional uh, plane in the background, but this was not easy. And I, but I am a big fan of Brian Bolland, that's why I got to letter the killing joke. I asked him if I could letter it. Um, it was also written by Alan Moore, so it was like a dream team. And I went out of my way to keep the two-dimensional lettering on a two-dimensional plane behind the characters. You could also say that that two-dimensional plane is in front of the characters, but once you've got color added and the balloons are white, it's obviously in the background, right? So let's go to the next frame. This is just wrong. <laughs> and, and this is why I teach classes like this. So this is a panel from the brilliant Bad Weekend. It's uh, from the Criminal series. Anybody familiar with Criminal? By Ed Brubaker and uh, Sean Phillips. And I was looking for an example of what not to do. And I found this one. I, I tagged uh, Sean in a tweet and he said, I know it's wrong, I don't care. <laughs> but what do you see here? See why it's wrong? Right? Here's a three-dimensional character in the background. Here's a three-dimensional character in the foreground. And the two-dimensional plane is both behind and in front. And does it matter? Does everybody notice it? They damn well should. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> because because you, the moment you're taken out of a comic book, whether it's a three-dimensional plane issue or bad drawing, you're taken out of the comic book. So I'm all about where is the two-dimensional plane. And if you think of it as two sheets of glass, 
if he had broken this balloon away you tailed you so that they were separate then there's two dimensional two two dimensional planes in the drawing one is a sheet of glass or the wall behind the character the other is a sheet of glass in front of both characters so you can still do this and not mess with the three dimensional characters let's go to the next so uh, this is the because this is the panel that I used for the class. I like to show people that there are several th two-dimensional planes in here. There's the one behind, which I like to think is being on the wall. There's a second two-dimensional plane here that some of the children are standing behind, some are in front of it, and then there's a third one here that is much closer to us. And then Spider-Man's head messes everything up. <laughs> you know, but also, you know, the Daredevil logo is a great example of a two-dimensional uh, lettering object that appears to be three-dimensional, aided by the fact that uh, Daredevil is jumping out of a box. He's jumping out of a two-dimensional box, creating the illusion that he's already three-dimensional, creating the illusion that the Daredevil logo is also jumping out of a two-dimensional box, and it's all two-dimensional. Right? Next one. <laughs> to mess with everything further, uh, I love lettering that's in situ. So what we have here again is a sheet of glass with costumes. Melvin Potter, property proprietor. Um, this is Gladiator. Those of you who know Daredevil. Um, so what we have here is in situ. There's a sheet of glass with the lettering on, proving my point that lettering sits on a sheet of glass, right? But inside the, the the three-dimensional effect of looking through a window, there's a two-dimensional plane behind these characters, or probably just in front of the entire uh, panel. Right? So that is actually a very sophisticated three-dimensional panel with two two-dimensional planes that are not at the same angle to each other. But it's very effective. We get a, a location caption on a sheet of glass that's inside the panel, and then we get these two-dimensional planes. And I don't think anybody would be confused by that. Next. Okay, this is what is lettering, not just where is lettering. So, um, what is lettering is, what is lettering? Anybody want to venture an answer quickly? Raise your hand. You don't know what lettering is? Why are we all here? <laughs> Information. Information. What else? Call it out. Communication. Communication, correct. Emotion. Say again? Emotion. Emotion. Also, volume. Next panel. This is where, you know, Matt Murdoch's uh, extrasensory powers go out of control. So, all those things about 2D panels continue to work here. Do you see how the 2D frame, Matt is something wrong, pushes the two characters away from each other. It's a great example of. The, the effectiveness of lettering as a storytelling tool, because not only is the volume increasing, the space between them appears to be increasing as the volume goes up. Next frame. Um, lettering is signage. Lettering is information. That a lot of people would use a caption. Why use a caption when it when you can show something on a wall, just like the sheet of glass costume shop? Um, don't like this balloon, it's not floating up, but you know. Uh, sometimes you have to. I would have floated that one next time. Alright, so this is from a comic strip called The Perishers. I loved this strip when I was a, a teenager in England. It's a lot like Peanuts, but more illustrative. And I wasn't lettering, you know, when I first read these strips, but uh, the artist, Dennis Collins, was also the letterer. On the um, sorry, I'm just going to turn the phone off. On the strip, and the things he did, I still do today. And this is where I first saw lettering on a two-dimensional plane in the background. You see how the three-dimensional plane here pushes that into the background, right? And another thing here is overlapping balloons. This is where I learned about overlapping balloons, so that the person who speaks uh, last is his balloon comes forward. So it, it helps you with the reading order. Uh, I actually sign my name with this electronic 
um, exclamation mark after it. That's from the parishes. Um, there's a volume here, right? There's this interaction. The balloons are interacting the way that the characters are interacting. That's a very important thing in lettering, to have the lettering reflect the relationship between the characters, overlapping them and interrupting them and increasing the volume is, is a, a, a great storytelling technique. Next. This is where I learned that lettering is illustration. So what is lettering? It's also illustration. I remember looking at this as a teenager and thinking, well, this is, this is lettering, but this is an illustration. But it's also an illustration of lettering, which leads you into the world of logo design. But in those days when I didn't think I could draw, I, could, I knew I couldn't draw this, but I knew I could draw that. Right? So lettering can also be a gateway into illustration. And it never occurred to me that you could draw it. This, is the, this, is, this character's name is Boot. And you know, the reason it says Mother is that this is Boot Polish. You know, one of those tins of boot, boot Polish. This is like a 70s strip. But I loved the decorative look of Cherry Blossom. What does it say there? Did it say Boot Polish? Yeah. And I loved the little, you know, decorative additions, which reminds me a lot of the Need Loves logos. It's probably why I go to that coffee shop, right? Okay, next. This is a cover of Raw magazine from the 80s or 90s, and I just used that in my class to show you. So this is a character called Joppa de Pojo, and they're sort of imagining this is a comics factory. This piece is called Comics Factory. And do you see all the two-dimensional planes? Right? So they're lowering these panel strips, and then the three-dimensional characters are sticking their heads through holes in the two-dimensional planes. To, to, as if... As if comic strips are made by taking a photograph of a three-dimensional character sticking their heads through a two-dimensional plane. So, and there's multiple actors, if you like, taking the part of Joppo de Pojo. So, again, this is a three-dimensional drawing of two-dimensional planes. There's a two-dimensional, there's a, there's a logo that's three-dimensional because it's casting a shadow inside a two-dimensional box. And then the artist, Juice Spart, is showing that, you know, it's, this is very sophisticated drawing, right? Comics aren't made this way. You just pick up a pencil and use a piece of paper. But he's acknowledging that it's all about making you think two-dimensional planes are three-dimensional. Next. This one I like to show, again, it's Perishers. And I want you to see that the two-dimensional plane, which, you know, if this is a sheet of glass with the lettering on, it's in front of these three-dimensional characters, right? Everyone agree? So what's happening here, right? This sheet of glass is actually all on the same plane, but this balloon, two-dimensional object, suddenly becomes in between that railing and that railing, but it's still on a two-dimensional plane. Next. Uh, this one I just like to point out here, Macy, Macy, I've done it, Macy, I've done something useful, Macy. Two things, Baby Grumpling is Macy's little brother, right, and he's like a toddler, and he speaks in childish style. She speaks in caps the way we're kind of used to with comics, but do you see how these balloon tails, I call them, go off? They're like signs, right, he's not in the panel, he's never been in the panel. But we somehow are conditioned to believe he's over there. It's not, they're not arrows, we just know. It's like it's signage, is, is what it is. And again, it's on a two-dimensional plane coming into the three-dimensional plane. Next. Posey Simmons again. I love Pony Simmons. If you haven't ever checked her work out, there's lots of it on the internet. You can read these newspaper strips. And this is a newspaper strip composed of newspaper headlines. Um, she's a very clever cartoonist. She is an excellent lettering artist. I learned a lot from her about pacing and storytelling. Um, believe it or not, I write Elephant Men in a way that is more reminiscent to me of Posey Simmons than any other comic book writer. Um, this one I like to show because all the two-dimensional planes are on three-dimensional objects, right? So all the newspaper headlines, this is, the, you know, this is in the style of a newspaper logo. You've got one caption here, but the story is told 
using sheets of newspaper that she's reading on the tube on her way home. So she's posing is very cleverly, slightly curved it, but everything is legible, but everything is a two-dimensional plane in a three-dimensional drawing that we accept as three-dimensional objects. And then there's a little punchline here in her thought room. So next. I like to pepper it with superheroes because I am teaching in a uh, comic book shop. Uh, anybody want to tell me what this is here? Call it out. Anybody? Spaceship? Wait, what, are we... what kind of spaceship is it? It's a death ship. <laughs> <laughs> right? Great example of store frontage. Right? We, there's a sign, there's a store sign, there's two store signs, Tower of Warlock, and there is a angled, two-dimensional, right, on it, but the, this is a two-dimensional piece of lettering, and because of the angle, it's telling you that this is the death ship, right? And, and lettering in uh, comic books is a, light, a lot like, if you've ever driven along Lincoln Boulevard, in Santa Monica from, from like Venice Beach to Santa Monica, you are sailed with title pages of comic books all the way along. Signage in America is everywhere, right? It's gas stations at the side of the road when you're on the freeway. It's mini malls telling you, you know, donuts, subway, human hair, actual sign in Los Angeles. Look on my Facebook, um, but we so we gather information about what's being sold from lettering, and comics aren't any different. So, Death Ship, yeah, we immediately think some, something horrible is going to happen on the ship. Next, Wounded Wolf, one of my favorite uh, pieces of lettering by Tom Wozniakowski, who lettered Uncanny X Men for many years. This is signage, this is a door frame, this is the story. How much more do we need to know about, about this? We're going to read the story because we picked up Wolverine, right? The, the logo was on the cover. Now we know he's wounded. Now we know there's a little girl and he's a wounded wolf. That means he's dangerous to the little girl, right? So there's a lot of power in signage. Two-dimensional lettering telling you about the story. How are we doing? Uh, we got five minutes. So quick. Five minutes. Okay, so this is the first page of Elephant Man issue one. Um, I always had in the back of my mind, having lived in Santa Monica, that I wonder if you could tell a story with just signs on the street. And there used to be hooters uh, in Santa Monica, and I thought it was being really clever because hooter means nose in England, right? And an elephant has a long nose, and hooters <laughs> means something else entirely in America. Uh, so when I was thinking of the first issue, um, I sort of subconsciously had that thought about telling a story with signage, and, and all of it is on here that the you know no uh, no GMs are girls are the real deal. Well, the elephant men are genetically modified. So there's a lot of information about the story, including the title, see the elephant, um, on a page that is silent. Otherwise, right? So you can. You can convey a lot of information in the story by uh, keeping things silent, but using signage, using uh, the information that we gather every time we drive down the street, looking for a place to eat, looking for a place to drink, you know. Next. Uh, this is, okay, how much time we got left? We're at 57. 57, okay. This is a masterclass in comic book lettering. If you've anybody read a serious Pollock? Nope, then you should. And who is it by? Uh, David Mazzucchelli, who drew uh, a, a very, uh, an excellent Daredevil book called- Batman Year One as well. Uh, Daredevil, born again, he drew born Batman again. Year One. Um, a serious Pollock is a story about a stuck up academic. This is a great example of the, la the lightning on this page. It looks like signage that's on a sheet of glass 
with light behind it and it's projected the lettering that's on the sheet of glass against the wall. Do you see that? Next panel. Uh, in a serious polyp, he uses different lettering styles to portray and different uh, balloon shapes to tell you something about the character. He's saying it feels so good to pick your nose, especially when the booger is right there. And it's a very crude balloon, you know. And then above it, it says poetry in motion. This is on a, a subway train. So he's, he's sort of he's mocking, you know, the balloon with the uh, signage in the three-dimensional plane that's on a two-dimensional plane that's curved towards us. Next. Uh, these are potential girlfriends. Everyone has a different voice, everyone has a different blue shape. He's using the same pen or the same set of pens to give you information about a character, obviously with the drawing, but also, you know, with the text as it's representing the blue. This girl speaks in uppercase, this one in lower. Her balloon is a little flippity-gibbet. Uh, you know, this one has a lot of air around. This one is a little bit, what's she saying there? Uh, professor. 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 Right? So, in this one page, all these students are vying for his attention. Um, the girlfriend, the, the, the girl that becomes a girlfriend has a very sort of soft voice. Next. Um, this is the, the girl talking to the mother. The mother has a, uh, you know, her two-dimensional plane is at an angle, and the voice is a lot louder and interrupts, and do you see how interrupted the edge of the balloon is? And the girl, no matter her age, her voice is the same. She's soft-spoken, um, perhaps weak, right? Look at those strong balloons that are interrupting her. Next. Uh, difference between weak and strong in one panel. This is Asterius Pollock. He's a jerk. He speaks in capital letters in square. I'm right. His balloons are right. This guy's not right. He doesn't even think he's right, right? Next. Uh, great example of somebody being yelled at. You know, and the, the, the balloon is just exploding out of somebody's mouth. You can imagine the spittle being in the face. Um, and it surrounds him. It's a two-dimensional plane that's surrounding a three-dimensional character. Next. Music. Rock you like a hurricane. You know, this is beautiful. You know, we know it's music. There's musical notes. There's staves. And the guy's just, you know, singing to himself at home while he's going to the bathroom. Next. Uh, children's TV. Um, this is a this is this is on a two-dimensional plane, but you know the children's TV voice is all over the place. But it's kind of <coughs> hippy trippy, Rainbow Sesame Street. Um, next, Greek. Right? We know that we, we can tell by the sort of Greek urn design that, that, that this is a is a. Greek character, and he's also speaking like the Daleks. Like a Greek urn. Next. Sexy. When are you going to ask him out to dinner, right? So it's a very cursive, seductive lettering style. And this is an artist just using pens, shapes, on a two-dimensional plane to tell you something about three-dimensional characters. Next. Yelling. You know, this is volume again, but here, you know, the lettering is so loud, it's running together, that there's no space in between the lines. And the balloon is just an explosion. And if you can see, three-dimensional objects in front of a two-dimensional plane. This is, so again, what is lettering? This is a, a fantastic strip by John Bolton in Epic Illustrated Magazine. Um, there's a, you know, here's a doorway, here's the logo, it's telling you what's going to happen, fighting words, those are fighting words, here are two, you know, Lord of the Rings style characters, and they're going to have a fight, next, and they look at each other, and one starts to fight, and there's a sound effect, it's in the air, but it's also on a two-dimensional plane, next, they fight, I can't read that sound effect, but there's a sound effect, there's another sound effect, what? 
crump. There's the crump again, next. Swoosh, thump. And here, this is, this is proving that lettering is on a two-dimensional plane. He grabs the T, next. He uses it an axe, crack. <laughs> and then you see all the two-dimensional two lettering scattered around. You know, uh, I, I, that's on the internet, I found that on the internet, but it's, it's a perfect example of what is lettering. It's information. Um, it is not an object, generally, unless it's a sign, unless it's an exit sign. But in terms of telling the story, you all laughed. You all got, you laughed because your expectation of what was going on changed. You know, the joke is the lettering is not in the air. It's not, you know, it's not there to be used as a, a weapon. So it, it basically this strip takes your, you know, it's beautifully illustrated too, so you, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be a gag strip. Next. Foom. Lettering that is actually art, and all lettering is art. That's another, you know, one of those, what is lettering? It's art, and in this case, it's beautiful. I've seen this a lot. This is the only example I could find um, where an artist actually uses the sound effect on a two-dimensional plane, but it's part of a three-dimensional sort of flume there, and I think tells the... It tells us what's going on. It's, it's both the information about the sound and it is the thing that's making the sound at the same time. It's a great use of um, embedding, you know, lettering in artwork and helping tell the story in a simple way. Thanks. So this is, this is what, when I used to have a whole bunch of people in a studio in Santa Monica and this, was, this is basically... Uh, a lot of the information I've just shared with you. It, 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 there isn't a lot you need to learn. I'd love you to buy my book, but <laughs> you don't need that much. You know, tails point to mouths because what is lettering? It's, it's coming. It's coming out of somebody's mouth. Um, I always like to have it go to the center of the balloon so that you know you know that all that information is going there. And also, you know, when you tie a balloon, it's always tied in the same place. Um, Here's the sheet of glass idea, that lettering is on a sheet of glass. I don't like you to put balloons in between characters because as we've seen, you can use lettering to separate characters. If you're, they're talking to each other, bring them forward, but don't separate them, right? Um, if somebody's talking on the left, have the tail come down to them on the left. Don't, don't curve it in from this side. Just basic composition rules. Um, I found this picture in, in some old photos when I was looking stuff from the class and uh, uh, it's in my Comic Craft Facebook album if you're friends with me on Facebook or even if you're not because I don't block people. Next. Well, that's sort of come to the end. I just want to show you if, you are, if you've got things you want to uh, learn about digital lettering and, and a comicsology, there's a lot of issues that come up you know, don't use Comic Sans. <laughs> Let that be the last time those two words are mentioned in this talk. Uh, Sarah fonts and word balloons, but there's an expectation. It's not that you can't do that, but using a mechanical font and something that's very organic. Mysterious Polyp looks great because everything is so organic and everything comes from an understanding of the character. Uh, don't use auto leading. Too many spaces between the lines. Don't use capital I in the middle of a word. This is happening more and more. You'll see it on, in TV commercials everywhere. Uh, capital I is for first person. Um, I can't even read that. Probably means don't letter too small. Uh, don't make tails too thin. Don't make them too fat. Okay, is that a good time? Yeah, I think so. So that's, that's actually two hours of class in uh, 40, 40 minutes. Yeah, 40 and we, minutes. But we wanted to have time for questions. If anybody has questions, I hope yeah, you Please, do. you all came here to ask questions about lettering, uh, you know, again, from Richard Sarkin's master. So if there's any questions you have, in, either in your experience, wanting to lettering or wanting to letter or um, just general nuts and bolts of lettering, please ask. Any questions? Any questions? Yes. Sir.
Say again? What are you selling? What am I selling? The art of lettering. Oh, uh, you want me to tell you what you can buy from my booth? Sure. <laughs> uh, I have a book called Comic Book Lettering the Comic Craft Way, which, uh, you know, I was a pen lettering artist for many years, and then I uh, was the sort of main pioneer of digital comic book lettering. This is over 20, 25 years ago now, so there's a lot of people grown up who don't realize it was done with a pen. You know, um, I do two Comicsology original series, Ask for Mercy and Elephant Men. You can buy those at my booth, 2106. Does that answer your question? I have no memory, so I have to buy a book, so yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I actually have a question for the audience. Uh, how many people here want to be letterers? I know there are a lot of folks in comics who want to be writers and artists, but letterers, how many folks? Raise your hands. On the back, a few folks. All right. Um, why do you want to be a letterer? <laughs> you, don't, you don't know? Yeah. And it is fun. You know, and one thing I would encourage anybody is to, you know, lettering is art and, you know, I draw, I'm mostly known for lettering, but now I'm, I'm also mostly known for writing, and uh, what I really want to be is an artist, but you know, everything is a way in, you know, so that cherry blossom boot polish was my sort of light bulb moment, and you know, these days there's a lot of, uh, you know, Etsy shops that sell quotes from TV sh shows that are really nicely... Uh, pen letter, you know, and I encourage anybody that has sort of an interest to, um, I'll tell you one thing we do, when uh, we make fonts for artists, and we have a, uh, um, we have a 300 fonts in our font catalog, comicbookfonts.com, and artists come to us and say, I want my own lettering font, and they say, I'll, I'll do the alphabet, I'll letter the alphabet for you, and I say, no, don't. Well, you need all the letters. I say, write about something you're passionate about. Or write the lyrics of a song that you are familiar with. Or write about your childhood. Because when people do an alphabet, you go back to six years old. A, B, C. And your character disappears from the alphabet. But if you letter song lyrics or a poem that's meaningful, you, you, you disengage the left side of your brain and you engage the right side of your brain. And suddenly, the character and personality of your lettering comes through. So, be an artist. We're not no. a professional lettering. How many illustrators actually want to do their own lettering? So, well, I think uh, can I reiterate the question yes. just for... Uh, yes, uh, how many illustrators want to do their own lettering? So... Um, you know, the Marvel site see the sort of um, uh, monthly style of lettering is broken down because we need to get things done quickly. So it's pencils, inkers, letters, colors. But uh, artists that do personal graphic novels, I think you can't do it if you don't have some kind of control over the lettering because it's so personal. So there's great, another great book that I refer to in my classes, BB by uh, Craig Thompson. Um, which is just a beautifully, everything is organic. The lettering is a part of it. And there's Middle Eastern lettering, and the characters speak in, in a, a very flowing style in, in the English you're reading, and everything is, is very organic. So I think there are, there, are, there are artists that work in the sort of mainstream that never think about lettering. It's something somebody else could do. And those people who work on independent comic titles or uh, personal graphic novels do their own. So. Who else has a question? Uh, what led you to go into the digital lettering? You said you were one of the pioneers for that. Yeah, deadlines. <laughs> Having to get things done. <laughs> yeah, and wanting to go to bed. <laughs> so I uh, started working on a uh, font of my lettering style in the early 90s. And of course, the, 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 I was hoisted on my own guitar because the faster you can do it, the nearer the deadline is. So if they know you can do something in a day, then you have a day to do it. But when it was pen lettering, you had five days to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> any other questions? Yeah. Um, uh, how would you get into the 
question how was, how would you get into, into lettering? Question, yeah. So, same way you get into writing, you know, writers write, letter is letter. I actually, when I was trying to get in, uh, when I uh, graduated college, I lettered letters to publishers of comic books. So I had a balloon saying, you know, caption saying the date of the letter, uh, captions with my address, and then I drew balloons with a little bit of emphasis, sound effects, and I did these uh, 11 by 17 letters showing that I could do it. And I got, I think I sent out five letters and I got four jobs. You know, writers write, artists draw, letters, letters. So, you know, whether it's digital or with a pen, just do it and send it to the people that hire people that do that kind of thing. Answer your question? Anyone else? Any additional questions? questions? Yellow hat at the back. Uh, can you be a good letterer if you have a bad handwriting? <laughs> <laughs> can you be a good person if you're a bad person? <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is no, but practice makes perfect. You know, the advice I got from a brilliant lettering artist called Bill Nuttall. I wrote to a lettering artist, say, how, you know, how do you do it? There weren't conventions when I wanted to be a lettering artist. And I wrote to him and he said, go to art school, practice. You know? How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice. Right? I believe there's a gentleman in the back who had yeah. a question. I was just going to ask, what's the booth again? 2106. In the Independent Press Pavilion. Yeah. Um, working for Marvel and DC one time, we had, there was so much lettering in a panel, it completely covered up the artwork, so we completely covered up the artwork and sent it to the editor. <laughs> <laughs> because they should have done their job before it got to us. And unfortunately, digital lettering, because it's so malleable, because you can uh, have the letter make revisions without actually doing the editing and thinking about things beforehand, um, we are often abused because they get to see the problem before they have to anticipate the problem. When you were pen lettering, like a killing joke, I, pen, I put ink on Brian's artwork and if, if it was wrong, he'd have to redraw the page. He didn't want to redraw the page, right? Um, so there's, there's a lot of that. And the answer is you have to do your best. But if you put in a corner, show them that they put you in a corner. Because if it's digital, they can give you a note. But you can also say, hey, maybe you should edit this before you send it to us in future. You know, but the skill of the artist is often... Jim Lee, uh, brilliant artist. It looks like there's no room for lettering. He's always thought about where the lettering is going to go. I've never had a problem working with Jim Lee. Other artists sometimes don't think about it. And you, you know, when you look at a beautiful page of art, you think, where are you going to put the lettering? Uh, Jim and other artists, you know, pros have always thought it through. They've always thought about the lettering because it's part of the job. It's part of the story. Other than using Comic Sans, I thought we agreed. Is there anything else um, that you see that's really annoying with the shifts to digital lettering that you didn't see when people did it? Um, I didn't. It's very difficult to foresee problems. I didn't foresee that there would be a generation of lettering artists who's only familiar with digital lettering. Uh, and actually, I, I, that's why with this, I've gone back to the things that inspired me because you really need to look at, at, at lettering in the world around you. And I think that the biggest problem I see is that, like, you know, when you make a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, you know, what are you looking at? If you're looking at digital lettering day one, you're going to lose the organic quality of life, right? It's like um, vinyl records back, right? And people used to say, I love CDs because there's no background noise. And a British DJ called John Peel used to say, life has background noise. <laughs> 
So what I didn't see was the, sort of the elimination of background noise. And I almost, when I'm doing lettering, try to put that back in. I try to make it look like it's organic, like I did it with a hand. In fact, over the years, I now, everything I write, I use a pencil and a, a sketchbook because I need to feel that connection between my hand and my mind, not this. Right? Has anybody taken notes on their phone in the notes app and then forgotten that they took the notes? <laughs> but when you use a pencil, you know, no matter what you're doing it for, just for ideas, you know, if you're doing a sound effect, write on pencil first. Something about, to me, the smell of sharpening a pencil and lead, something about that engages my creativity in a way that this doesn't. Right? So, you know, my, that, that I didn't foresee that, you know, we would sort of be a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. And I would always say, you know, lettering is art, so use, use a pencil whenever you can, even if you're using, you know, that font that you mentioned that you will never mention again. <laughs> Any other questions? Okay. Any more questions? Yeah. Um, balloons float up, leave space at the top of your drawing, you know, so that, you know, your thing, there's a lot of artists that I used to work with that already penciled the lettering in, so that you knew where to go, you know. Um, artists are more than anyone responsible for the storytelling. Lettering artists are responsible for joining the story to the art, right? So, um, a lot of artists sometimes will say, oh, you covered that up, right? Well, don't put something there. You know, Brian Bolland on The Killing Joke had drawn this beautiful carousel and he'd inked it because he'd done 10 pages before I started working on it. That was when he said, I'll give me the pencils because he didn't want to draw a carousel and then have a balloon cover it up. So, and that's another way of working is to, you know, nowadays you get sent breakdowns to letter because you're always trying to um, uh, increase decrease the, the amount of time somebody has to spend on something. So it's always good to, you know, have a letter. If there's a problem, have them letter something before you finish the art and save everybody some time. And, yeah. and I believe that is our final question. Uh, Richard, where can they find you again? Booth 2106. I'm near the image booth, the Comixology booth. Yeah, and yep, we're at uh, 2121 if you want to come by and learn more about comicsology, digital comic books. Uh, we have a lot of signings going on, so there's some good stuff going on. Great. Right and down the block from Richard. Yeah, and uh, something that we do at all comicsology panels is uh, we usually like to give away a uh, Kindle Fire at the end of the panel. Uh, to the person who wanted to be a letterer, uh, I would love to give this to you. Please get Richard's book on lettering <laughs> on comicsology to get you on your way. Thank you, everybody, so much for yeah, being here. Thank you, Richard.